This podcast has been brought to you with the support of Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. With a Wise account, you can send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Whether you're traveling through Asia, freelancing in France, or buying that dream property in Oz, Wise is the easy way to connect all your finances internationally. You can even send money home to mum in minutes. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com. Hello, I'm Damien Venuto. It's June 7th, and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has been welcomed with open arms during her trip to the United States, appearing on late-night TV, speaking at Harvard University and sitting down with politicians from both sides of the aisle, including US President Joe Biden. Her warm reception in the US comes as Ardern's popularity in New Zealand wanes, with recent polls putting Labour and National neck and neck in spite of the successes that have made our PM so popular abroad. Is this trip going to help reverse those dipping poll numbers, or has it highlighted areas where Ardern's international reputation doesn't live up to her local performance? Today, I'm joined by NZ Herald political editor Claire Trevett for an inside look at Jacinda Ardern's return to the US. Claire, you've been on the ground with the Prime Minister in the US. What's been the point of this trip? One point was reminding people that New Zealand actually existed. It's the Prime Minister's second trip since the long two years of COVID border closures. And um, she's out there pretty much absolutely shamelessly, as she herself says, selling New Zealand as a tourism market and a place to do business and all that kind of stuff. Just trying to get back the recovery on that. According to her, the second reason, of course, is politically and diplomatically touching base with the US president and senior politicians to kind of forward New Zealand's interests basically and make sure we're not left out when international events are happening like around climate change or the US's charm offensive in the Indo-Pacific region as it calls it because it started building little mini alliances with lots of other countries in the Indo-Pacific and New Zealand not so much so she's basically trying to get back on the radar and build up a relationship with US President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris and the likes of those. What has been the reception to Jacinda Ardern from politicians and the general public? The politicians, it varies depending on their own political colours. So President Biden was very warm with her. And I went back and looked at a series of photos that the official photographer had taken, which a lot of them were behind the scenes. And you can kind of see it's very much just a photographic essay of her whole visit to the White House. And you can see the rapport between them, to be honest, in it, because it's literally screen by screen by screen by screen by screen. And there's a lot of laughing. You know, when the rest of our cameras weren't on, they were just talking among themselves. They seemed to get along very well. He was certainly quite warm with her. She also met Mitt Romney, who's a Republican. That was quite hard to assess because we didn't get much banter in their little photo op at the start of their meeting, but I'd say he might not be a massive fan of hers. The Democrats in Congress were pretty happy to see her and all their staff were very excited to see her, possibly more than the politicians. Same with California Governor Gavin Newsom, him and Microsoft's president, who's not a politician, Brad Smith, they all sang her praises. They were pretty effusive and it seemed genuine, especially about the Christchurch call after the mosque attacks and on climate change. 
The public is a bit harder to assess, but at Harvard she got massive standing ovations and a big cheer when she got given her honorary degree and probably slightly more liberal elements among the student population here as there probably is in New Zealand. And there was one woman who was outside BlackRock, the investment asset managers, and she stopped to ask what was happening. We told her and she got very excited and stayed to watch. So I asked her why. And she said it was the response to the mosque attacks and also Ardern's management of COVID-19. She also knew that one of our television networks had hired a presenter on the six o'clock news with a mock on. She thought that was pretty cool. Nobody cared about Kiwi Build. Yeah, pretty popular, but there's probably a slight skew to the political leanings of those she's popular among. One of the key moments of this trip was Jacinda Ardern delivering the commencement address at Harvard. President Bacal, Provost Garba, governing boards and deans, and most importantly, graduates. Why is this such a significant moment? It's a pretty significant event. It's been going for more than 300 years. I think only about 17 countries' leaders have been invited to speak at that time. It's had a lot of big people deliver that address. I think Nelson Mandela, JFK. It's kind of a good place to make a point. It gets a lot of attention. About 30,000 people are actually there with the graduates and all their parents, and there's more watching on the live streams. It was also the first time Harvard's had the commencement, you know, in person in two years. They didn't have one last year or the year before because of COVID restrictions. So it was a pretty big event. It's quite an honour. During her Harvard speech, she issued some strong words on social media and disinformation that sounded tough. But is there any substance to those statements? Outside of the Christchurch call, has this government committed anything towards changing the online experience? It is mentioned by a lot of people. So Biden knew about it and he said he wanted the US to be involved in it. Jacinda Ardern herself admits that there's a lot more they want to do with it. So where it's been effective is when there is a live stream of a violent event, as we saw in Buffalo not that long ago. The social media companies basically do gear into action to work together to close down the sharing of the live stream and that kind of action. It's the immediate response, basically. What Ardern wants to see happen is for more to be done by the social media companies in terms of how they sort out their algorithms, which is how they direct their users to other content they might find interesting. She wants a bit more control there. I mean, it's more effective than nothing so far. The fact you've got most of the main social media companies linked up to it. So I guess it's better than nothing. They are expecting that more stuff will be announced in relation to it in August. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, it's a bit Wild West social media, isn't it? It's quite hard to regulate. And Ardern has also acknowledged that often when you try and restrict social media, there's a perilous line between that and impinging on freedom of speech. So it's pretty tricky. The time has come for social media companies and other online providers to recognise their power and to act on it. That means upholding their own basic terms of service. That means recognising the role they play in constantly curating and shaping the online environments that we're in. Is there also a level of hypocrisy here, given that the Prime Minister is such an avid user of social media? 
I've been thinking about this one, and I honestly don't have an answer. Like, it's not social media she objects, it's the way people use it. Mm. Some people use it that she objects to. So she uses it often. She doesn't use Twitter very often. She does do live videos on Insta and Facebook, her preferences. I guess it's for politicians, it's the only way to communicate directly to the peoples. Her plea in the Harvard speech as well as to the social media companies was to the individuals using it, which was she pleaded with them to take individual responsibility in terms of checking information that they were seeing on social media and not sharing disinformation and not being abusive. And it's kind of tricky to answer. I don't think it's a hypocrisy. That's, that's kind of where I've got to on that one. The same day that Jacinda Ardern arrived in the US, there was a horrific mass shooting at a primary school in Texas. It led to gun violence being a key talking point of the trip. How did Ardern rise to this particular occasion? Yes, it was very dominant in the early parts of her trip, that issue. She got a big welcome, basically, because of what New Zealand had done. So she had to tread fairly carefully because she can't afford to be seen as lecturing the US or telling them what they should do or saying that the US is exactly the same as New Zealand because it is quite different in that regard. It baffles me, to be honest. And when you go to public toilets, there's massive gaps on the sides of the doors wherever you go so that people can kind of see in. And it's always baffled me that they go over the hill to defend their right to carry guns around, but they don't seem to care whether or not they can pee in private. But I digress. So what she has been doing is just saying, well, this is what New Zealand has done. And basically she did that in a, a way that looked kind of innocuous. So in her Harvard speech, she only raised it in the context of listing a series of reforms that her government had undertaken. So in a range of areas from gay marriage to abortion reforms and mentioned the ban of military style assault rifles as part of that. As soon as she mentioned that, the whole of the Harvard press stood up and started applauding. They did the same with abortion. Both of those are massive issues in the US. It looked like an innocuous little list of this is what my government has done. In the past 10 years, we have passed laws that include everything from the introduction of gay marriage and the banning of conversion therapy right through to embedding a 1.5 degree climate change target into law, banning military-style semi-automatics and assault rifles, and the decriminalisation of abortion. On another note, Biden did applaud Ardern's action against climate change. Can the government's response to climate change really be considered a global success story, or does it just look that way when you compare it to what's happening in the US? It's probably too early to tell. Her and Biden talked about climate change, Governor Mike Newsom, and she talked about climate change and signed that deal to cooperate in research on climate change. So the thing with the US is it's such a turnaround from the Donald Trump years when he withdrew from the Paris Agreement and then Biden comes in, they've rejoined the Paris Agreement and it's all getting back on track. The California deal that they inked is is pretty significant or has the potential to be significant for New Zealand's own program because California is a big exporter and manufacturer of electric cars and the infrastructure. And those are the backbone of New Zealand's program for reducing transport emissions. Apparently, the problem is persuading them to make right-hand drive cars for our market. California's goals on climate change are very similar to ours, very similar goals and programs, only they were throwing a lot more money at it, $47 billion compared to our $3 billion. Ardern has faced a bit of criticism on this trip for appearing on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert when there are a number of really pressing issues hitting New Zealand right now. And, but you still, because of COVID, still have not 
been able to get married yet. Is this true? That is, that is correct. Okay. We've had a number of postponements. Postponements, and I have not been down there to well, officiate, officiate as I offered. And that On the flip side, how important is it for a politician to have these face-to-face -face meetings and be out there selling New Zealand? It is very important, and I understand there's always criticism of a leader, especially if something as big is happening at home and they're off overseas. And at the moment, it's inflation and stuff like that, but going out into these markets is one way to try and ease that in the long term, to be honest. So the White House visit was important. It's the first time we've been to the White House in almost eight years. And the trouble with the US is that a change in the administration in the White House can completely undo years of relationship building, as we found out with Donald Trump. So now you have Joe Biden in there. Biden seems to be genuinely warm with Ardern. If you have two leaders who get along and they're comfortable with each other politically, you go in and you make the most of that while it lasts. And the White House did go some way to help ensure that meeting went ahead despite multiple hiccups on the way to it. If you don't front up when you're invited to, you don't get seen basically and you get left out when the US is thinking of doing stuff. So if he goes, oh yeah, I like that woman. I like Jacinda Ardern, we'll, we'll go and do this with New Zealand or we'll include them in this. It's just that kind of stuff. That's the advantage it has. So she was in there for a lot longer than she was meant to be. And this is the US president. He hasn't got a loose schedule. Um, in a business sense, having Jacinda Ardern there also tends to mean that the media turnout, there's still a high level of fascination with it, especially in New York, actually. So the media turnout to whatever she's going to, it gets written about, and that's quite valuable. One of the business delegation, the Silver Fern Farms CEO, Simon Limmer, a little bit, you know, cagey about Labour governments. I don't know what they were expecting out of this trip, but he ended it by saying that it was amazing for them. They had a big launch. She gave a chilli bin of, of Silver Fern Farm beef to Colbert. And he said the next day that just skyrocketed the number of references to Silverfern Farms and hits on their website and all that reached an audience, of, I think he said 13 million people or something like that. And he said that that wouldn't have happened and the meetings that they had wouldn't have happened without having Justin Ardern with them. People were just like, yes, we want to meet her, so they let them all in. Is Ardern's global popularity one of the best assets we have right now? It is an asset. Whether it's our best asset, I'm not sure. She would say that New Zealand's kind of sustainability ethos and green image is probably our best asset in terms of business because green business is um, increasingly hot and that is certainly the case in the US where they are quite interested in her. She's due to go to Europe in the next month or two as well and it will be interesting to see how that compares with the reception she gets here in the US. That is far more a diplomatic trip than a business trip but we'll see how that goes. It certainly does us no harm. And then I think about what, what happened to us and all I can reflect is we are, we are a very pragmatic people. When we saw something like that happen, everyone said never again. And so then it was incumbent on us as politicians to respond to that. On the topic of Arden's performance in the international market versus what she's doing locally, she has been criticised by her opponents for, in their words, being a little bit more focused on her international reputation than she is on local issues. Is that a fair assessment? Or do you think that there's an element of tall poppy syndrome going on going on here where a New Zealander's doing well on the international stage and the obvious response is just to criticize them? It's certainly not fair at the moment or in regards to this trip. 
that criticism was kind of being circulated in her early years as Prime Minister when she was off to the UN and kind of being feted by virtue of being kind of young and female and having a small child and stuff like that. She's earned a lot since then, so it's her actions since then. All the attention goes on those, the mosque attacks in particular and the Christchurch call and climate change as well. People think she's pretty strong on that. But basically she's she's doing her job and her job is leveraging off her popularity internationally for the benefit of New Zealand. And she does it very well. The polls are really tight at the moment between Labour and National. If Ardern were to be voted out, do you think that it would be a little bit embarrassing for the country given what a popular leader she is in the global context? It probably would be. In the same way we were shocked when they voted Trump in here. To be honest, when she's overseas, she's quite a different person because she hasn't got the domestic draft weighing her down. She's over here, she's smiling all the time, she's making jokes, and she just seems lighter. It's more like the pre-COVID Jacinda Ardern. And then at home, COVID has really worn down her kind of domestic reputation and people getting disgruntled about lockdowns and stuff like that. She's really worn that hard. But over here, they don't give a pop about what is happening back in New Zealand. So it's hard to say whether it'll have any impact on her local popularity. But it it is a reminder of kind of a pre-COVID Jacinda Ardern when she was far more positive in her outlook. Whether it helps her at home, who knows, but it, it certainly won't do her any harm. And it certainly won't do her any harm among the business community because she's worked very hard on their behalf on this trip. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Front Page with me, Damien Venuto. You can read more about this and other stories in the New Zealand Herald, online at nzherald.co.nz or news bulletins across the NZME network. With thanks to our producers and editors today, Sean D. Wilson and Paddy Fox and executive producer Ethan Sills. You can follow the front page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.